UTA Radio. UTA Radio. Radio. UTA. UTA Radio. Idaat. UTA. Dot com. A return to live music is slowly rolling out at venues across the country and here in Dallas-Fort Worth, where singer-songwriter Vanessa Peters is gearing up to play live for the first time in a long time. She's about to do so with a new album behind her and with a unique perspective on writing out a lockdown. Vanessa Peters joining us. Thanks, Vanessa. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You know what? You've got the new album out, Modern Age. Yes. And... What's great about that is one, we've got a new album out, but two, how long has it been since you performed in front of people? So when we, uh, we did a few shows last summer in Italy when we were still there. And so I guess it was like the end of July was the last time that we did live shows. And then, but it's the first time I played in Texas since October of 2019. And you mentioned Italy, which I'm getting to something here because were you in Italy when the pandemic took hold and basically shut everything down? Yes, we were over there because we were supposed to do a tour in March of 2020. And we decided to stay put. Uh, we have a, a, a safe landing pad there. So we just decided to stay and we ended up riding out the entire, uh, more than a year. We just got back to Texas a couple of weeks ago, actually. So, so you've been in Italy for about a year. Yep, about 15 months was a long time. <laughs> when you were in that that area and you realized what was going on and what was mm-hmm. happening with this pandemic. What were your, your first thoughts? I mean, a little, well, gosh, it's a lot of disbelief and a lot of um, like at first just wanting to push back and be like, no, this can't be happening because it was, it was, we had just kickstarted the new album. So we had all these plans to bring my band from Italy over to Texas and we were supposed to record it in Austin and, so there was just a lot of frustration that we had literally just kickstarted the record and then we were having to scrap the recording plans right out of the gate. And we also were in the, just about to leave to go on tour just a couple of days and we had to scrap that. So at first there was just a lot of anger and frustration, which I know is what a lot of people felt. Um, but we were also really grateful to be where we were. We were in a small town that never really got hit very hard by COVID and everybody there took it very seriously. So we felt very safe. Um, Obviously, Italy had a very long lockdown last spring, which meant that in the summer, there were no cases locally in our area. So we were able to go back to normal life last summer, which was a really, really huge gift when I look back at it, see that we kind of were able to have a couple of months of normalcy, you know, before the second and third waves hit. So Yeah, so for a couple of months, you're, you're there in Italy, basically uh, locked down. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess in some respects, that is a good way to to write and get material together. Yeah, it would have been if I had felt like doing it. I was, <laughs> the thing was I had a ton of material already because we were we were supposed to be in the studio. So I had this kind of weird shutdown where I was like, well, I don't want to write anything new right now. I already have all these other songs that I don't even know when I'm going to get to record them, you know? And so I kind of refused to write for a little bit. Um, but I think once the weather changed, also when it became summer and the, the sunshine back in my, I'm one of those people that's very affected by, by the change of seasons, you know? So as soon as, Same. as soon as spring started sort of like, you know, easing into summer, I felt like my own spirit kind of lifted a lot as well. And I was able to get back to creating. So the, the pandemic has put a damper on a lot of things. I mean, recording has obviously been difficult for some people and other artists touring, you know, forget about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder, and, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but I, I wonder because we hear this from artists 
and venues, and we've been hearing it for the last several months, um, what was the financial cost of COVID? Well, that's a great question. So I don't make, unfortunately, I don't make a lot of money touring anyway. In fact, if I tour with my full band, I usually end up losing money because uh, so, I pay them. And <laughs> so I don't know that we lost money. Uh, we probably lost some record sales that we would have made for mixtape for the last, for the covers record, because um, that album came out and we weren't able to tour it or promote it at all. And we normally, a lot of our sales happen at shows still. Yeah. So, we, you know, I know, I know we lost that section of sales, but hopefully we'll make those up whenever we can get on the road again, because that will be to everybody that comes to shows that will still be a new record to them as well, you know. Um, we were lucky that live streams were a thing for us as well, although we didn't monetize it in the way that some people did. We, we did them every couple of weeks, but we didn't, um, you know, we didn't do that many of them just because for me, I, I just, I won't say I don't enjoy them. I mean, it's better than not playing at all, but it is hard to play to a computer screen. It's hard not to be able to see your audience. It's hard to look at your own face, you know, <laughs> while you're, while you're doing it, I guess you can turn it off. But, um, so it was a, it was a financial impact for sure, but I, I guess we kind of were lucky in the fact that we, even though we lost some money from not touring, we were able to recoup some of it by totally doing a different recording plan than we had initially planned. You know, it became a much, my, much more DIY thing. So we saved some money on that side of things. So I don't know, maybe it came out in the wash. I'll try to be optimistic. I'll let you know. I, I always wonder this about people who are kind of stuck somewhere. What, what happens to your, what happened to your place in Dallas? Did you have someone taking care of it? Uh, we did. We have, we okay. have roommates actually. We're never home enough to, I mean, we've needed somebody to help us take care of our place for a long time because we're always on the road when, you know, when we're touring and stuff. So we've been living like a very collective, collective life for a long time, I feel like. And I sort of, it's one of the things I like best about what we do is um, we, Americans have this tendency and maybe Texans especially to like lean towards rugged individualism, you know, which I think has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great reasons to be an individualist and to like, you know, fend for yourself. But also we, I think we tend to forget like how great it can be to, to lean on other people and have them lean on you and like truly just help one another out. And we're, we're lucky enough to be in a situation where we feel that way with our bandmates and with our roommates and, I've got good family that I lean on. And I just feel like maybe one of the things COVID taught us was how important it is that we think about other people and, and try to let our, let our actions reflect that instead of thinking only about yourself and only, you know, about your own little bubble. I feel like it was really important to sort of open all that up. And COVID's also taught us a lot of other things, which is social distancing and mm -hmm. wearing the mask. And how is the, how is the live performance uh, going to work? Uh, and how do you social distance? Because I imagine that a lot of people would just be really happy to see live music again. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel lucky that I, I feel like my, my fan base is, is a very responsible crowd. Um, they're, the Kessler is doing a thing where you, you can reserve tables and the tables seat six people. So I know, I know those have actually sold out, I think, but those are reserved by people that were, fan, you know, either families or small groups of friends where they all knew that they were vaccinated. Um, I, for example, will be wearing a mask before and after the show. I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I'm halfway there. Um, and I, I really did want to wait until I was vaccinated to do the show, but I felt also like um, in, out, in outdoor environments, it's a very low risk sort of thing. And 
nearly everyone I know in Texas is vaccinated, which is great. Like, uh, as you guys got started on it way, way before we did in Europe. Um, so um, in that regard, I feel like it's, you know, it's a pretty low risk show, but I am, I'm, I am a little bit anxious about it just because it's going to be the first time to get back out um, in a crowd of people since I've done, you know, since, since whatever I said a year and a half ago. So yeah. interesting, but yeah. I mean, there, there's a stage where I perform and that will be separated from everybody else as well. And at the end of the day, un unfortunately, I, I, we're getting this funny gray area where people have to start taking responsibility for their own, for their own safety and actions. And it's sort of like hoping that they assess whether or not it is safe for them to come to the show. You know, like I would hope that everybody would, that comes to the show would either be fully vaccinated or if not, they, that they would be wearing a mask, but and unfortunately, it's not up to me to enforce that. So it's just up to them to make good decisions, I guess. I'm wondering, uh, what are you hearing from your peers uh, and your musician friends? Uh, are they are they excited about getting back to, to live music? Or are they a little like, ah, wait and see? What's the feeling out there? I think most of them are where I'm at. I think most of them are excited about it. I know some of them have already begun playing shows. Um, I think a lot of them, it depends probably on their age and their family situation as well. Like some of the ones that are my age that have kids, um, it, you know, that are maybe married and have a, a family life are maybe a little more anxious about it just because they don't know what they might be bringing back home. Whereas maybe like younger single musicians are a little bit more relaxed about it. But um, I have been really impressed with how, how everybody's been taking it seriously. And I know that venues I've talked to are really starting to ramp up for the fact, I mean, we're really lucky here in Texas that we have such a long spring summer because it means you can do lots of outdoor shows. So yeah. like we have several shows booked for June and they're all outdoor, which is great because it will be warm. It'll be very hot, but we will, uh, but I, I personally will feel safer at this moment playing outdoor shows just because everything is still, you know, it's very TBD. Let me ask a little bit about, uh, again, back to the album. And um, you put this out on, and I've seen it on social media, put it out on, on CD uh, mm -hmm. and vinyl. Mm -hmm. And vinyl obviously has made a huge comeback in, in recent years. Or do you have any considerations when you're, you're making music as to what format you're gonna put it on? Yeah, we definitely did on this one because A, we did a Kickstarter. So we had to, we had to sort of make promises in advance of what formats we were actually going to be making. But we also do think about it in terms of when, uh, when we're compiling the list of songs, you know, it has to be a certain length so that it will fit on vinyl. And it also matters whenever you order the songs because I always feel like I want side A and side B to play nicely together. You know, that's, which is a relatively new uh, consideration for me because that this is, this is the third record I've made on vinyl, but I made several prior to that, you know, where you could just pretty much, you know, put 14 or 15 songs on there if you wanted to, and you could pick whatever order you wanted. It didn't really matter because they were going to be flowing like that. But as soon as you have to think about somebody taking the record off and, flipping it then not it does actually it requires you to put like a mental line break in your own in your own mind about okay these five songs fit nicely together and these okay. five fit nicely together so there's a kind of a different mindset when thinking about vinyl mm -hmm. in particular for sure yeah. we did a media book too this was like a new thing i just happened to have one sitting on my desk this was a new thing we had never done before that's um this it's it's got the cd in it but it is a 48 page, like full color booklet. Uh, we used a bunch of photos from the recording oh. sessions and Rip and I did an introduction to it. And then there are all the lyrics are in it as well, because I really like, for me, lyrics are a really important part of making any record. And I think that, um, 
as people are probably going to increasingly be getting away from CDs as a medium. Vinyl is obviously useful for all that, but I thought this was kind of a cool um, like bridge between a CD and a vinyl. There's a lot of people that really appreciate the art of vinyl, but maybe they don't have a record player or maybe they still just want a CD for their car, you know, um, for the people whose cars like mine that still have CD players. I know there's a lot of people with new cars that don't, which makes me sad. <laughs> but uh, but this was like a really cool little side project that we did just, it was nice also to assemble all of the photos from the recording sessions and stuff and just kind of remember that, you know, those fun times that we had making the record. So that was nice. Modern Age comes out of this. And tell me about the album and the, the influences and, and where you were going compared to your last one? Well, it's so it's very different from my last record of originals. It's more similar actually in style to, we did a, a coverage record that came out one year ago called Mixtape. It actually came out in the middle of COVID. We were supposed to be touring for that one. And um, that definitely had kind of like a more rock, rock pop vibe to it than my previous records. And I think we kind of built on that vibe when we did Modern Age. Um, we were intentionally trying to make a record that was fun and energetic just because we felt like the world had had enough of sadness for a while and we kind of wanted to make a record that would be good for riding around in the car with the with the windows down and blasting it as loud as your neighbors can handle you know and um, we had we had about 17 or 18 songs that we had recorded but we we cut all the ballads we cut anything that even had too much sadness in it. We just said we're going to make like a short, tight record, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's actually been it's been fun to listen to it in the car here in Texas, just testing it out on the different car stereos and stuff. Going, oh, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you recorded all of that in Italy, correct? Uh, most of it. We had a few of the songs were actually recorded here in Dallas when we did Foxhole Prayers, uh, Crazy Maker, and Valley of Ashes were initially demos from those sessions, but they did not fit on that record at all. So we just kind of shelved those for a future date and then it turns out that this batch of songs that i wrote for this record fit very nicely with those two so we were able to incorporate them back in but um a big portion of it was recorded on tour in germany and the netherlands on the last tour that we were able to do before the shutdown so like october november 2019 and then the all the rest of it we did in a farmhouse in italy this summer when uh when the restrictions were lifted and we were able to meet up with our bandmates because they live in a different city in Italy than we do. So we all met up in a farmhouse in the country and made a record. <laughs> nice. As one does. <laughs> uh, sure. When you, you use what you have at your disposal, exactly. right? The first single off the album uh, was Crazy Maker, mm -hmm. uh, which we're playing on UTA radio, by the way, and it's great. Uh, the second single. It was Modern Age. It was the title track. Modern Age. There we go. And we've got that as well. Uh, what are you looking at for number three? Uh, Valley of Ashes is the third one. It came out uh, two weeks ago. And then, I don't know, at the, once the record comes out on Friday, it's probably just a free-for-all at that point. We, uh, I'll probably be pushing hood, hood ornament to, record, to radio stations, but honestly, folks are happy, welcome to play whatever makes them happy. Okay. Why hood, why hood ornament? Um, I think because it's different than anything I've ever done before. Um, I think people will be a little surprised that it's a Vanessa Peters song. And because I feel like it's a, it's fairly timely as far as the, the message behind the song. Um, definitely kind of a women's empowerment sort of song. Mm -hmm. It comes from a true story in which I was, uh, which I was called a, a hood ornament by a music store owner in Texas. And, uh, okay. Yeah, 
and it was a, a very horrifying moment. One of those things where the, the, the band and I were on tour, I won't say in what city or what we were doing, but we had a show that night and we went into a record, I mean, into a, a music store to kill some time before sound check and stuff. We were looking at guitars and drums, just kind of wandering around. And uh, we ended up striking up a conversation with the owner of the store. And he said, oh, well, where are you, I mean, where are you guys from? What are you doing? We said, oh, we're, we're a band. We're on, on tour here today. We're playing, you know, tonight. And he said, oh, what's the band's name? And I said, it's Vanessa Peters. It's, it's me. It's my band. And he laughed and said, oh, you're in the band. I thought you were just the ornament. And uh, the, all four of us were standing there like, what did he just say? And of course he thought it was hilarious. And we, like it was one of those times where, man, like you think of all your zinger comebacks later, you know? But at the time, I think the four of us literally just blinked like a couple of times and then- Just stunned. Like, well, it's been nice talking with you, sir, and left, you know? When we went on the parking lot, I remember Rip was there, my husband, and he was like, you're gonna use that in a song, right? And I was like, maybe? Like, how am I ever gonna work hood ornament into a song? And am I ever going to want to think about that again? <laughs> but um, we did. If it's just sort of about that feeling of being um, like just constantly disrespected in tiny ways as a woman in the industry. And I, I, I used to never really talk about it because it felt like sour grapes or something. And I felt like I would just get pushed back from people saying like, oh, you're just, you just think that because you're a girl, but maybe it's just that you're really not that good or whatever. And finally, I feel like I'm at a point where I've made enough records and I know that I know what I'm doing. And I can recognize like that I really am just being treated like that because I'm a girl and I'm just not being yeah. taken seriously for it, you know? And I still try not to talk about it that much just because I'd rather just talk about the songs and the music. But I do feel like it's important for people to know that that stuff really does happen to like every, every female musician I know has that story, you know, it's in some form or fashion. So yeah. still like today in 2021, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, all right, Vanessa, I do appreciate this. Uh, the album is, uh, is Modern Age. It's out now. And more to come as we go through the rest of the spring and the summer. Yes. Live recordings. Thanks, Vanessa. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. It's nice to chat with you. Thank you. The preceding program is a production of UTARadio.com and the Department of Communication. Thank you for listening.